0: It's a happy new year from the Emerging Cricket Podcast you. The first show of 2023. Thank you for tuning in wherever you are around the emerging cricket world. Daniel Bezick here alongside Nick Skinner and Tim Cutler to deliver all the news in the Emerging Game this week. Uh, but fellas, uh, Tim, I'll start with you. You would have brought the new year uh, in Vanuatu, I'm sure, with plenty of joy and festivities. How are you, Uh in early twenty twenty
1: three. Thank you, Daniel. I guess it's also Merry Christmas,
0: isn't it? Yeah, we haven't I spoken
1: in, in yeah. so long. It's been weeks. Um yeah. Christmas and, and New Year's had it all here in Vanuatu. We got back from Malaysia on the fifteenth of December and that was a bit of a saga coming back. But um no. Weather was great. New Year's actually Celebrated with a few friends at the Chinese club here and then on to another cocktail bar and then to a mate's house. So yes, much much hilarity ensued. It was uh it was good fun. But yeah, back into it now. Being back in the office the last two weeks and looking ahead at what's gonna be a very, very busy twenty twenty three. How about you, Daniel? What did you get up to?
0: Uh yeah, it was a busy New Year's Eve. Christmas was spent with uh both sides of the family across Christmas Day, Boxing Day, Mel's family as well. Tried to get across to see everyone. Uh, Uh, It was good because normally in the summer, I'm normally in Melbourne working, doing two jobs. I'm not doing that this year. So good to be able to put my feet up and do a little bit more around the house and be a bit more around mates and do a little bit more emerging cricket work over this time as well which is good because there is a lot going on and then the Central Coast Mariners have a New Year's Eve game every year which we attended a good solid win there and then drove down brought in the new year with uh, some mates from uni and one of them uh, is quite a talented musician plays a number of instruments and works in the music industry we brought in the new year with bagpipes. Wow. Uh, We did that I think in 2019 into 2020 and yeah brought it back as as a nice little sort of throwback pre-COVID that we all had together and yeah it was a good night I fell asleep on a mate's couch and then had to work at 9am the next morning from my house on New Year's Day in the build-up to the New Year's test Um, but everything was all good. Look look, there's no shame
1: falling asleep on friends lounges I did exactly the same thing and I've fallen asleep on your lounge in the (laughs) past as well.
0: Yeah only to be woken up by a uh, another housemate who's decided to microwave apple pie for breakfast at,
1: at five thirty. <laughs> Sorry, we're we're leaving we're leaving
2: Nick out. He's sitting all he's sitting there in Iceland waiting to talk to us, and here we are. Yeah, I have also Just slept you... on your couch, Bez. Yeah, you have. Well, the yeah. Icelandic New Year is. Um... It's interesting because the fireworks market is a, a monopoly for the search and rescue team uh, which exists as a volunteer organisation to you know, help people who get stuck in various problems in Icelandic nature and uh, one of their main main fundraisers is selling fireworks. So uh, people go a bit crazy and um, just shoot them off kind of wherever. There's a big blast of them at New Year obviously uh, as the year comes in and uh, kind of in, in the centre of town but uh, you, you just sort of see them flying around more or less everywhere. Someone uh, shot one in the street next to where I was standing and just sort of smashed into a house because <laughs> apparently they didn't set it up properly. So, yeah, it was, it was quite interesting uh, to, to see that. Hopefully the search and rescue team managed to make a profit at least. But, yeah, so, so that, was, that was a lot of fun and um, Iceland, is, Iceland is going well enough. Uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, very excited to get back into some cricket because there's not a whole lot of that in winter near the Arctic Circle.
0: Sounds like a a joyous occasion. Uh, Felt any different being on a a different time zone as as I wake up on New Year's Day, you're there waiting for, for midnight to roll in?
2: Yes, well, it is It is a bit funny seeing all my Australian friends uh, on social media who've just celebrated New Year just as I'm waking up, so that that was a kind of interesting being on the other side of the time zone difference uh, compared to most of the time when, when we celebrate it and we see all our friends from other parts of the world still waiting, so yeah.
0: There is a lot in the emerging game to discuss this week, though quite a bit of it is off the field. Not a whole lot of on-field action to talk about. There has been under-19 warm-up action, which we will talk about eventually, but in, I suppose, ongoings in the USA at the moment, which do tie into their under-19 Women's World Cup campaign, USA cricket is uh, not in the greatest state of health at the moment, it must be said. And quite a lot of it is self-inflicted. And we could go into hours and hours talking about this. And thankfully, from an emerging cricket standpoint, we have Nate Hayes, who has his ear to the floor on all the sort of ongoing developments there as well as being in contact uh, with PDP and, and other people around in the USA Cricket Fraternity. But there's a lot going on. I think we'll start with some of the stuff that's kind of developing in South Africa at the Under-19s Women's World Cup. And PDP had a fascinating interview with Shivnarine and Chandipal, And if you haven't seen it, make sure to, to go on YouTube. I think it's about an 11 to 12 minute chat. And at about the eight minute mark, you can see a Shivnarine Narayan who very much sort of biting his tongue, ready to completely unleash on the USA cricket system. We do know that he's leaving that post as soon as this tournament is over. But if you were to read between the lines, there is obvious politicking going on in the usa cricket playing group fraternity especially on the women's side we've spoken to pdp and nate at length about the academies and those who sort of pay to make their way into the system and those with money and connections getting a little bit further than others we saw the squad selection for this particular tournament and we saw that lisa ramjet was left out quite controversially she's if she's not the best player in the usa at least for her age group or at the senior level she's probably in the top three at under-19 level. And Chander Paul in the conversation made the implication that it hasn't really hinged on who's prepared well and who's worked hard to be in the team. It's come down to outside sources and other factors, and it's meant that the team travelling has struggled. They played a warm-up match against scotland and were comprehensively beaten but we think that this is rather a microcosm of all of the issues that stem or stem from issues within usa cricket there is a lot more to talk about this from regards to their website to employees that they've let go and not paid and there are numerous people not only close to us but outside in the usa cricket fraternity who have been affected by all this and we'll get to that eventually but Nick starting with this under 19 situation and the words that Chandopal said and again we would implore people to, to go and find that I think it's pretty obvious from the outside that there are many external factors that are preventing USA from being a success on the field and we need to remember of course that they were the only team that qualified from the Americas region to be eligible for this tournament and we're given a free pass to it so it They haven't even really been tested properly at this level. I know they've won bilateral series in the past, but coming into this tournament with a fresh squad and a squad that looks to be manipulated, the signs point towards USA Cricket being in a a pretty bad state.
2: Well, it's just kind of a continuation of the usual things that we've seen from American cricket. So many times, there's always kind of rumblings of political interference, or especially at the under-19s level, pay-to-play is is uh, a regular accusation. And it just seems like these kind of problems are, are continuing, you know, with, with very little change. And I mean, it's not surprising that Chandler Paul, I guess, as his time with the USA is probably coming to an end you know he he feels he kind of has a bit more latitude to make these comments Nate made the interesting point that it, it reminds him of Jimmy Pammant's press conference when USA were famously bowled out for 35 by Nepal a couple of years ago and I mean we'll get to Nepal but you know has a whole lot changed for the USA since then, they, they have had some success on the men's senior team, but if what it takes for, you know, the, the, the squad to get better is for the coach to just completely unleash on a, on an interview, I don't know. I mean, what's going on internally that is causing this and why do they sort of keep repeating the same mistakes? We can probably touch on some of the administrative problems as well, but ultimately, you know, you listen to Chandler Paul's explanation for the team not playing well enough and I mean, partly it's just that they don't play enough cricket, but also it's because you know he he talks about how you know he wanted to try and you know tell them one thing, but then they were getting uh, other instructions from their coaches back home, and you know how does how does that reflect on the domestic system back in America? Obviously, it, it's still pretty um, pretty uh, nascent, you might say, um, at, at back at the American under 19s women's level. Uh, or, or women's cricket in general in the US. It, it's better than it was but you know they lost Julia Price who was very involved in setting up pathways and, and uh, talent identification. Yeah they've they've got Chandler Ball who's leaving as well. Who does that leave to pick up the slack? I don't know. I mean it seems like a lot of the time these, these people come into the US you know stay a year or two and then <laughs> Realise that it's uh it's it's a mess and they don't want to touch it with a ten foot pole and and then they they get out as soon as they can so yeah I mean what what to say about American cricket administration that hasn't already been said but clearly there are a lot of problems at the domestic level which are being reflected in the team's performance and you know let's not forget they got beaten by I think forty or fifty runs by Scotland very comprehensive defeat obviously it's just a warm up but if they lack the intent in the warm up and, and this was another topic of conversation was just they, they didn't have any uh you know, they didn't have the intent. They only hit two boundaries in the whole game, uh, compared to Scotland's nine fours and four sixes. Uh so the the fact that the Americans don't have that power game is a big problem and, and it, it just kind of speaks to the fact that the, the the team is is not performing as well as it could because, you know, we saw them beat a West Indies under-19 squad. I don't know how strong that team on the West Indies side was, but that was uh, a promising sign. But clearly something's gone wrong since then uh, and and the, the squad that they've got is a little bit different, but it, it also is not kind of performing to the standard that it, it could perform to.
0: I've got the quote here from Paul that you alluded to there talking about preparation. And the Scotland opener, Elsa Lister hit a six off the first ball of the game. It kind of set the tone for the rest of the match. Chander Bull said, quote, this morning we came in and there was an attitude of not showing that intent of wanting to go out there and to do well. We took that lackadaisical approach into the match. So the attitude needs to change. I don't know if it is because some people think they're maybe secure in the team and they're comfortable because selectors will pick them. It doesn't matter what they do. I mean, these are things that can happen with players. Some of the players, they get comfortable and do whatever they want to do. And some of the players who are good enough and who have put in the work are not here. End of quote. Uh, Yeah, you can kind of gather, Tim, listening to that quote that Chandipal doesn't have the group of players there that he wants and it seems as if these decisions are being made not necessarily by cricket people. And again, it's a microcosm of of USA Cricket's ineptitude and struggle between the board and, say, a a selection panel or a coach and a playing group. They aren't able to decouple that. And in the end, it just becomes a a game of politics in, in USA Cricket.
1: Yeah, and I think we'll get on a little bit more to issues maybe at the board level and executive with further news as we get on to it. But you know, to Nate's point of it being very similar to Jimmy Pannett's. Comments that was at the end of the Nepal tour, which was a disaster with four matches. That was in the League Two tour to Nepal when they were playing against the hosts and Oman, and that was just after they'd been bowled out for thirty-five and, and lost by eight wickets. That's at the end of the tour. Good That's point. not him walking back into the the change room saying, "Okay, well, well played, everyone. We have got to get up and play tomorrow." Like this is just after a warm-up game, and he said himself, he's still got a, another warm-up game to go uh, before the tournament proper so it really is extraordinary for a coach to be using this language and you know I think we we all agree was probably biting his tongue there, but for that much to be said is amazing, really, and really does give an insight into what, what he's thinking, uh, and the fact that he's leaving, maybe, yeah, he does think that he can, he can say these things, but look as well as we might think or at least observe these things going on and shake our head at USA Cricket, you've got to wonder how what effect this is going to have on the playing group itself, we've got a, a bunch of girls and, and women there um, and, and this is surely going to get back to them in one way or another, so uh, I can't see how this is, is going to help things and, and and yes it does shine a light on on the situation at least from the coach's point of view but yeah I was just watching it again before just to get some of those those quotes in, in, into my head and to to more or less say that he doesn't have the team there that that he wanted and and there are those that are doing the work not picked uh, extraordinary um and, and really is just a sort of a window into a lot of the issues that are that are going on at the moment, but I just feel for the, the touring team there who are there to represent their country and just hope this doesn't doesn't scar them and, and doesn't push them away from the game.
0: Dare we move deeper into the world of USA cricket? Because as we said, this is just a, a scratching of the surface, if you will. And it's been quite a shift in the last, say, two weeks or so. I think the last time we spoke, Nick, I think we talked about Richard Doane and his departure and... If we were to sort of read between the lines there, it's definitely not something he wanted to do to depart USA Cricket. We've heard that several other employees of USA Cricket have not been paid before being ousted. I don't think any of us have have reached out on the record to Andrew Leonard after we found that he has departed USA Cricket. We know that that was without pay as well. And he did mention that, you know, it's been tough there over the last few months Burt uh, Bert Cochley is another coach and, and someone who is on the ground doing a lot of USA cricket work he's in the same situation as well we've heard that they're interviewing new people basically to come straight into the roles that they've shifted which tells you that well tells me that it's not necessarily a financial thing although they have some sort of obligation where they have oh to
2: yeah they're going to pay these
0: new employees you have to, yeah they're going to pay these new employees so there are further questions in all of this and we'll go into it i suppose with nepal as well you know you know these are two countries that have been given the most opportunities in the past by the icc in terms of development only to kind of stumble on their own feet in terms of administration and they've never really been able to to get on their feet and move forward in the right direction. And, you know, the advent of minor league and major league cricket, we thought would be a boon for USA cricket. And it must be pointed out that a lot of the MILC and MLC, MLC crew are decoupled from USA cricket. It's not a whole lot that's actually being shared on that front to the point where, again, to, to kind of listen to people who have come forward to us, people have been told if they are to go for positions at USA cricket, they can't work on... Major League Cricket come July, which to me just screams of USA Cricket feeling that they're inadequate in all of this. But the question is where to now? You know, USA Cricket are meant to co-host the T20 World Cup next year. We've heard that directors have listed several cities as being earmarked as the likely T20 World Cup hosts. But in classic emerging cricket form, Nick, I don't think we're going to believe it until the ball's bowled at this point because if USA cricket is going down the path that we think they are going down, where financials are so poor... Then what's going to happen when a T20 World Cup comes around? Are they going to be ready? I, I can't see them being ready. Can they put it up? I don't know if they can. Where does the ICC stand on all of that? There's so many questions in regards to what happens next for USA.
2: Yeah, I mean, I suspect the ICC will give them a lot of assistance, uh, help the local organizing committee, help being a, a generous term for basically doing their work for them. I, I don't see how this administration, uh, <laughs> this you know group of people who... who, who represent American cricket I don't see the competence there for any of them to really I mean they can't they can barely get a team together to send some girls to play an under-19s tournament I don't really understand how they expect to be able to organize sort of a marquee ICC world event so realistically I, I feel like the local organizing committee's yeah the the icc is probably going to do most of the heavy lifting there because they've you know they made this decision and and <laughs> it's their tournament so they're going to have to essentially um make sure that it works but what happened you know we we've seen <laughs> i was talking to nate and i was saying that the couple of years that usa cricket had where they were seemed relatively competent it was a real aberration and and i felt sort of i felt deeply uncomfortable in that time because <laughs> The USA, you know, USACA slash USA cricket just being a complete disaster zone is that's that's how it's always been. That's kind of what I'm used to. So it 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 was uh it was very strange for them to not be a total mess. And it's kind of I guess just reverting back to type and we've discussed in the past the issues involved in trying to bring together a lot of disparate cricketing communities that happen to live in America and and how you get them all, you know, pulling in the same direction. And uh, even within that, the fact that so many of the cricket people in America don't really care about American cricket, it sort of allows these problems to fester because, you know, a lot of the people who who do love the game who happen to live in America are just not involved in any way in, in the American USAC pathways and 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 programs so how do we how do we get all those people involved uh how do we get the people who are involved to be working in the same direction how do we get them to you know, try and display some bare minimum of competence. I don't know. I mean, these, these these questions have been plaguing American cricket for well decades at this point. But yeah, it doesn't look good, does it? With the website goes down. You know, Lenny moves on. Uh, all of Lenny's bylines uh-huh. get attributed to the new um the new web guy. I I don't know how that even happens. Uh, yeah. Um, it's. I was just had to bring that up myself. Yeah. What well, I I mean, this is very basic stuff. Like we run a significantly less you know our website is not the official website of an official cricketing governing body and somehow we managed to not make huge stuff ups like that so
0: our website does go down sometimes though but i'd like to think that's because of the heavy traffic that, that comes in
2: yes yeah of course um <laughs> well yeah maybe maybe there's way too many people trying to log on to the american cricket website and read lenny's uh, articles of course but yeah it just seems like anyone remotely competent is just steadily trickling out the door, you know. Obviously, Donnie, Richard Doan, who uh, has worked a lot at the ICC on Pathways, uh, was was doing good work in America. Lenny, as we know, um, yeah, a number of other kind of administrators who were more on the <laughs> let let's work together and and build the game side of things ha, have slowly uh, moved on. Yeah, Julia Price, as I mentioned, Paul, as we mentioned, who's left? You know, the the men's coach has left. Although you know whether Jack did a great job is is kind of an open question. What's going on here? Where 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 does American cricket find? I mean part of the issue is that you can't just find one person who's going to fix everything because the the problems are so complex and deep and unicorns don't exist nick well i mean even if unicorns did exist i don't think they could make much difference in a in a in a rotten system that just basically prioritizes dysfunction so i don't know how you, you know maybe you can clear out the whole board and clear out the whole administration and start again from scratch which is what happened sort of five or so years ago but then as we've just seen <laughs> you, you you wait a few years and you're back to square one so i I'm, I'm really i'm 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 racking my brains and i'm i'm kind of bereft as to how the american i just put Nate Hayes in charge i guess clone Nate Hayes and have a bunch of him doing everything jeez
1: where to where to respond I, from a, a world cup point of view you know we're only 15 or 16 months away you know i think we have to remind ourselves from the first ever 20 team men's t20 world cup which has been much celebrated and i know with uh vanuatu making their uh men's t20 world cup debut after winning the final in the the coming july will be will be huge
0: we've got it on tape we've got it on tape we've got it
1: on tape yeah we can go back to it um you know and to put the bid together in the first place you know the partnership between USA Cricket and Cricket West Indies, you know that would have taken a long time as well. And you, you just don't write a ground on a bit of paper and say, yeah, we, we've we've done this deal. You know, you've got to negotiate with the ground owner and, and go, well, you'd like to think this was all done. So I can only imagine what's happening in the background with all of this tension stateside between the association, um, Major League Cricket that has an interest in, in so many of these grounds and, and everything else that's happening, that you'd be crazy um, if the ICC not exploring Options at the moment to make sure the well, to to be asking the hard questions to make sure things are, are ready and going to be at a level to put on a a, a global world class event. I know that people have already and will make comparisons to USA '94 from a, a football point of view and what this could be for cricket in the states, but also looking at making sure that the opposite doesn't happen and it does irreparable damage. But um, yeah, there's not too much I can add to everything that you've you've said there, Nicholas, only that I haven't been on podcasts with you both to talk about Richard Doan leaving, which I think was just was horrible, really, the way that that all happened, and knowing and having worked closely with him during my time in Hong Kong and kept in touch, and I know we've all met him and spoken to him and, and see the passion that he has for the game and the, and the knowledge. he You know, he looks like a... I don't. If you just looked at him, sat in front of him, he's you know scruffy, fast bowler. You know, the more you talk to him, the more you learn how actually intelligent he is, and the way that he's put legs together, and the and the way that he works with with nations to help build high performance systems, etc. He's uh. I don't I watched the glass onion the other day and I've got the onion <laughs> anal, an, analogy in my head so I'm gonna run with it the more you peel back then the more there is to Richard and to know the passion that he went into that role and, and how he's come out of it is just really disappointing from a personal point of view but also the loss that that is to to USA cricket and you know we' the three of us are close with Lenny and we, we all we basically chat every day and we, we, we had some insiders to uh, as to some of the the, the the challenges but didn't know as bad as it at, at, it had got. And as we said, we haven't spoken to him on the record. We don't want to speak for him, but, you know, feel for him as well. And... (sighs) You know, it's like the I don't know. It's it's really difficult to look at and you say we've Higgins, Doan and and Leonard's done. You know, and who, who's left? It at one point, you know, talking to them, it really was those three almost sitting there doing doing everything. They had the, the eight and eight and nine arms pushing all the buttons, getting getting everything done uh, in USA cricket, which looked a lot bigger, but was actually being operated by by very few. So yeah, who who knows where we're going to go from here? And I think the website is just. Just one, one example of, of where that's at. You know what? What are the the absolute you know must haves uh, these days with people kind of trying to get information about various bits and pieces that have a, a website up. But yeah, interesting how it popped back up as you said with the uh, the new webmaster's name all over those stories. It's not not hard to change these things. You just don't go in and change like the the user's name. You, you set up a new user and it comes in. And but you know we don't need to talk about running a website. And yes, it is only. Uh, demand that puts the uh, okay. emerging cricket website down. It has nothing to do with my webmaster abilities. Okay? <laughs> so I'd just like to put that that on the record as well. So yeah, look, as I look forward, I just right, sort of Google it as, as we're talking. It's like June, July. You know, it's it's pegged for for June next year. And yes, we've got an under nineteen women's world cup and we've got a t20 women's world cup and maybe the icc are very focused on delivering those two events in the in the meantime but yeah this could get bad uh, really quickly and i just mean for the game uh, in america in, in general uh, but also for for a, a global event yeah you know, we've seen the icc move pretty quickly as we saw around covid and, and move things around and we saw it move from india we saw oman set up their ground well grounds really quickly really well and they've now got an even more world class facility out of that but i i don't think we can probably compare oman cricket and and usa cricket side by side when it comes to administration and being able to to have the control they do over that facility and being able to move and 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 welcome a a global event the same way with all the the sands of change (laughs) that we're gonna start talking about the the sands through an hourglass because it, it, it is like a soap opera really isn't it USA cricket the, what we've seen over the past well as we've been watching probably decade but and even longer longer before that and it's we don't enjoy it you know we we want cricket to be successful in america america picks the game up The game will will grow and be be better for it. There'll be more people watching and playing. And because of America's interest in it, there'll be other countries and other sports fans that will probably look at it as well. We want them to be successful, but it's just really disappointing to see. But unfortunately not surprising and as you said Nick it was that that period where things were, were going smoothly but unfortunately it was just a, a calm before the storm
2: well it's interesting you uh, you referenced the glass onion uh, I guess it doesn't make Donny the Janelle Monet character you know the 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 brains in the organization who got pushed out I, I, I that is know.
1: that is a great great pull there Nicholas uh, and it has to be which one's Lenny
2: <laughs> oh Mm. We'll leave that to our listeners to, to, to think about. I reckon.
1: <laughs> uh, we we don't want to be too facetious about this because we're talking about three individuals and in their and their employment. You know, we look at Ian, who's moved back to the Emirates um, into management. Uh, a sports management company. I'm I'm guessing Richard's back to to Australia, back to Brisbane. And Lenny, I don't know, did Lenny get out of Nepal
0: or is he still stuck there? That's a good question because that tournament's just finished and it's a good segue to start talking about uh, the issues going on in Nepal. So, Tim, thank you for doing my job.
1: me. I'm all about segues. I've been gone for so long. I've been sitting here working on my segues. (laughs) Like, how do I get myself back into the podcast? And when you both have answered questions for five minutes each, I thought I've been gone a long time.
0: (laughs) Where do we want to start here? I think, look, 2023, I don't know the Nepali New Year, it doesn't work on, on, on our calendar. But look, 2023 is a year that must see some improvement if Nepal are to get back on track in the cricketing landscape. And that is both on and off the field. We'll go back to, I suppose, mid-December when this Nepal T20 tournament was supposed to start. It then went on to start, I think, 10 days later on... Christmas Eve on uh, the 24th of December. And I don't even know where to start here, just looking at it. But basically... Cairn and its relationship with T20 competitions and Cairn in general is on its knees. And as a result, Nepali cricket is in a horrific state. And the biggest losers in all of it are, I think, the senior players, the players across the international men's and women's teams and the fans, because there is no continuity in this country of cricket. We'll start with the T20 League, which basically brought all of cricket in Nepal to a standstill. Back in 2020, Cannes had signed a deal with a company known as 7-3 Sports based out of India to basically run the franchise T20 league that was to come, the Nepal T20. They were then going to set up a television production albeit with local uh, production crews in Nepal and essentially run it completely externally outside of can's control it was can sanctioned it was icc sanctioned uh the tournament was delayed and we can look back at retrospect now and deem that it was because of a of a lack of funds that came through the agreement was uh 39 million rupees for the first season that's nepali rupees which i think rounds out to about 250 to 300,000 US dollars the entire 10 year agreement was worth something around 420 million Nepali rupees or about 3.5 million dollars and the issue stems from 7.3 sports essentially fleeing the country halfway through the tournament with no sign of money and payment at a standstill thus resulting in a strike led by the foreign playing group at the competition the agreement was that the first half of this year's payment would be paid the day before the tournament and the second half will be paid as soon as two-thirds of the competition was to be played out. Now, rather conveniently, at the 60% mark, or let's say 20 of the 44 matches that were supposed to be played, 7-3 sports and their officials went mysteriously missing without the money given to Nepal. They eventually made contact with Nepal. Then there was talk that payments did come through. There was a match delayed because uh, they had a two-hour strike. The teams and Can convinced them to go and play because this would force 7-3 Sports Hand into paying all of their money up front. So camera were on their knees begging the players to be paid. Some of the teams were... Play Paying their players out of their own pocket and not via the league's pocket, as was the agreement. It meant that one match was nine overs because of a two-hour delay due to a protest, not because of bad weather. And again, this goes back to Can not doing their due diligence when they brought in 7-3 sports for this particular competition. They already had the Everest Premier League that was run well under the gaze of Amir Akhtar, who was a former Nepali international. Can and Amir Akhtar historically don't see eye to eye, but at least they had competitions running. Can wanted to have something off their own bat. They ended up employing someone else to do it anyway, and it begs the question, and again, all of this points to a bad organizational structure, a la the USA, and I find it fascinating that Two countries who couldn't be any more different, both culturally, geographically, financially, uh, find themselves in the same problems. It's a great level of associate cricket sometimes when it comes to board, malpractice and mismanagement. Going back to, you know, their senior team and they've had that many coaches in the last five years, uh, the players, I suppose, are disillusioned by the state. I actually went to Momo Cricket to Rajan Shah the other day. Just to make sure I've got my timeline right of national team head coaches, it went Pabudu Dasanaika, Jagat Tamada, Umesh Patwal, then Jagat Tamada back as an interim, Dav Watmore, then back to Pabudu Part 2, uh, Manoj Prabaka, who left last year. Whether or not he was pushed or he jumped, we don't really know. And again, this is all going back to what is an indication that Can has failed once again from an administrative uh, standpoint. They've put out a posting for head coach again, basically the same one that we've seen in times gone by, although Nick, you made a good point reading it the other day, saying that the associate cricket knowledge part of the job was only desirable uh, and not recommended, which I I found quite funny as well. Uh, Tim, it's funny because never has Can actually acknowledged that they need the help from an external source or from abroad. Uh, we look at coaches, all they want are foreign coaches. When they look at players, they're desperate to find the mix. When they want talent in T20 competitions, they want international talent. There's never really been any external accountability from anywhere outside of the ICC suspending them in 2016 on can, And because of that, the same people are able to run the place into the ground and make the same mistakes over and over again and expect something different to happen and we ask the question as we do several times a year when we do talk about associate cricket in Nepal and people from the outside who don't really follow associate cricket that much say oh Nepal's got such potential I can't wait till they become the next force and then you explain to people look mate you only need to see what the politics has been like in the last five to ten even go back further to tell you look they're only going to be stuck in their same ways unless something drastic happens Well,
1: again where to pick up Well, we were actually talking before recording... and when I sort of made the remark about how USA and Nepal, I think the the irony is that both members at the ICC have had to step in most, and I would say pay the most money outside of what is let's say rightfully due to to members via the census um, scorecard payment and also event payment. You know, we've seen extraordinary payments made to, to to the USA, and then Nepal was also run outside of the scorecard there for a while, and had sort of administrators appointed on on behalf of of. Canada. And to ICC, I think the first thing for me is the Nepal T20. I think you summarise the issues with, with the Everest Premier League that as much as there were other leagues popping up, was very much the, the Premier T20 League. And as far as we are aware, there were never any issues with payment nor any issues with alleged or proved spot fixing, which... You didn't mention, but... Oh, yeah, I didn't has even been, get into uh, that. Sorry. Yeah, no, I, I just mean to say that, you know, that just adds to, to everything else that you've said. And we've seen that commented on and reported that, you know, the law enforcement agencies in, in Nepal are investigating spot fixing, as well as, again, reportedly the ICC anti-corruption people there, I think, only to have... Was it can that have come out to say that it, it's not happening and or at least to make some level of denial? Um, so that's not <laughs> that's not good at all, considering the tournament um, has, has only... Is it bad that I don't I know whether the event has finished or not? how in in the end how it was just a bit of a feels like a, a bit of a non-event and I think I, I tweeted about it and it's been mentioned before by numerous people you know Jared Kimber's one Nick Cummins, who's now CEO of Cricket Victoria is another that I think it's just crazy that the ICC allows these events to to go on or to be approved and not have money. Putting in escrow early, so player payments and contractor payments are guaranteed. Because we're just seeing this all over the world. It's not just associates. You know, Jared Kimber himself didn't go paid for his work in the in the CPL for months, and I'm not sure if he ever got all of his money there. And if we go all the way back to the ICL, you know, we know that uh, the likes of Ryan Campbell are still waiting for this, you know, much promised uh, payment match payments to to come through. So if we've got these amazing long term deals signed well the money should be put in account to make sure that the people working on the first event are getting paid and the event can be completed and if you can't guarantee that a minimum length of time prior to an event then the event shouldn't happen you know we've seen events fall over like the likes of UAE T20X you know there's a name that you know you need to be of a particular ilk to remember that never happened because they weren't able to to sell the teams in time and likewise with the T20 slam in in Europe you know ended up being called off well at least they didn't run the event and then sort of not pay and then and then run away halfway through but yeah i think that's really concerning because it's the same mistakes again that we've seen all all around the world with getting into business with unscrupulous people and not seeking the guarantees that you'd need from a, a board to run the event because obviously can don't have the cash there to to splash around they're still working their way their way back from suspension albeit that it was five years ago but you know when you don't get into associate cricket for for cash and that's the same to be said from a from an associate member as as well when you're trying to build up reserves to grow the game but it's funny how you said about the the ad for the coach i think it's almost exactly the same as the last one but i think they've taken the age requirement out this time didn't they because uh when the age requirement that they then broke when uh, when <laughs> was was hired despite being over the the maximum age that they stipulated in the ad I see they may have deleted that yeah I I just I don't, it's the same again as, as the USA that you don't want to see this happen you know you you see you don't see full grounds in some of the full members now when they're playing cricket but when Nepal playing you can get up to twenty thousand people in that tu ground and that's amazing to see whether you're wanting nepal to win or not it's i i, I want to go there i want to go there and watch cricket and be and be part of that and it's probably one of the few places in the world that will, will send shivers down your spine as compared to a you know maybe a a full mcg in various other places around the world but that would be great but again that doesn't run cricket and and you know we've heard many stories in the past of how the quite fair weather reportedly uh, how fair weather the fans are there that you know if Nepal lose you know the next day you know they, nobody's talking about cricket it's sort of a bit like Queenslanders in the state of origin you know, as soon <laughs> as you beat them the next day it's almost like the game never existed but you know I love Queensland great place but um yeah yeah it, it, history's repeating it itself and I, I would have liked to have thought with all the hoops that they jump through, when I say they being can, jump through to to get this tournament up and running and all the, the struggles they've had with negotiating with former uh, events or former premier T20 events that they try and get their, their ducks in a row to make sure that everything would go off without a hitch this first year and I know we've talked about in the past but you know that, that lesson that we learned with the Hong Kong T20 Blitz was not not stretching ourselves too thin too early but I, I get the feeling they've they've done that here and albeit it, they've been let down by a partner who's promised to have the money and, and it hasn't been there but I think these days especially as an associate and how thin our collectively our, our balance sheets are you've, you've got to have that safety and guarantee there from a financial point of view and if you're signing on with a partner that is not willing to give that then I think that probably tells you the type of partner that you're that you're signing on with and I know that you know, from a Vanuatu point of view, well of course we're looking at the, the the possibilities of franchise events and, and how we can diversify income streams and grow the game, but you know the last thing I think we're going to be doing is getting is signing something with someone who promises to pay and then doesn't meet those payment deadlines, and then still still running the event as what's happened here because it's done damage to to the brand of of cricket in Nepal. And if you're an overseas player or a sponsor or a commentator or a broadcaster as well, remembering that they got money out of Eurosport to broadcast this, then you know you, you've been once bitten, you're definitely going to be twice shy. But about coming
2: back again, or indeed being attracted to it for the first time. Yeah, and no, I think I mean you you just touched on a very important point. I think is that Nepal had a number of benchmarks they needed to meet before their suspension was you know overturned and and they're allowed back into the ICC family. But you know now they're back as ICC members in supposedly good standing. There's basically no oversight, and this is kind of a structural problem with the ICC. Is there's very little of uh, process to, and I mean this, <laughs> this certainly applies uh, even more to to full members. Really, is that like you know once you're in the club, th- basically there's very little oversight to kind of keep people accountable in, in terms of their governance, and there there is no real mechanism for the ICC to step in beyond you know a suspension. Which is a pretty drastic step. There isn't much they can do to actually intervene and 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 try and get a board that is clearly dysfunctional. In the case of Nepal and indeed the USA, they can't really they can't really hold them accountable. And so that lack of accountability allows these problems to just go unchecked and, and grow into bigger and bigger problems, which ultimately, I mean, maybe they'll get suspended again. We, we don't know, but that's not out of the realms of possibility that, you know, things break down so badly that the ICC is forced to step in again. Whereas surely if you have some kind of oversight mechanism from the ICC, and I guess this goes back to the ICC being a fundamentally weak organisation, you know, if, if you had some kind of oversight mechanism you could probably intervene before things got bad enough to need suspending a team so yeah i mean this is this is a a much bigger problem than just one or two badly run members this is the fact that all of cricket really the administration has very little accountability and there's no way of of holding anybody to account Uh, and just specifically in terms of nepal's problems i mean yeah fixing player payment issues the owners disappearing in the middle of the night you know legal disputes What's what's not going wrong? The really ridiculous thing, uh, in my opinion, is that none of this needed to happen at all. They already had the EPL, which, sure, okay, Cricket Association of Nepal didn't own it. But did CAN need to own the central tournament? Uh, You know, that model works quite well uh, in England and Australia with the the domestic tournaments there. But, you know, the EPL and Pokhara Premier League and and various other things that were popping up was going okay. The the T20 scene in Nepal was going okay. Why on earth did Cannes need to suddenly put all their eggs in the one basket of another T20 competition when there are so many other issues going on in Nepali cricket? There's very little domestic 50 over cricket. Don't even talk about red ball cricket. There's, there's, <laughs> w- w- this is all on the men's side. Where do we even begin with women's cricket? Yeah, where they've just stagnated on the women's side, and there's a hundred and one issues that can could have focused on that would have been more useful than you know spending all their money and effort trying to start yet another T Twenty League that wasn't even necessary. So I don't know. I I just don't understand why they keep doing these terrible decisions that that, that are, it's it's just also avoidable and and it's must be so frustrating for Nepali fans. There's no wonder they're fair weather. You know, they they just get basically kicked in the nuts every time Ken makes a decision. And I mean, looking at the coach side of things, I mean, sure, get a big overseas name to come and coach. That's nice. But what can a new coach realistically achieve that guys like Dave Watmore and Pabudu Dasanayake times two haven't been able to manage. You know, I, I think hoping for one big famous name, like we were saying before, you know, the unicorn, even if the unicorn does exist and comes in and takes one look at this giant mess of a situation, what are they going to be able to do? I, I just don't see, you know, it doesn't matter if you get the best coach in the world. If you don't have the players and you don't have the pathway structures and let's face it, if you don't have the knowledge of associated in Nepali cricket, which is, yeah. <laughs> only only in the desirable category um yeah what what are they going to achieve it's just the same thing again and again it's so frustrating can need to
0: have their taylor swift moment where they turn around and they say to themselves it's me hi i'm the problem it's me you know you go through so many like taylor swift went through so many boyfriends you know in the early 2010s and she never turned around and asked herself that question. I didn't
2: expect this. And here we go. It just
0: popped into my head. I don't know where it's come from. But look, like
2: Well they do they do seem to always have a blank space for a coach.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, we knew Ken would trouble when they walked in. But you just <laughs>
2: which, ver- which version? Uh Per-Budu's version. I'm... It's Per-Budu's version.
0: Yeah, but you look look at that that coaching group and those coaches have gone on to do great things in other places. That only tells me or only reinforces the point that the issue is systemic. And I just don't think the head coach has such power in that situation. And, And Nick, you made the point again, if Canada that invested in making their own competitions for play... Where's the 50 over comp that runs six months of the year? That's what Nepal are desperate for. Why do you think they're battling in League Two? Why do you think no one in this group can bat? Because I sure as hell know that the players in that team can all play cricket. They don't go into this international team and just forget how to play. You know, at under-19 level in World Cups, Nepal has done excellently in, in global tournaments and times gone by, whether it be with the ball or with the bat. Let's not forget... A Nepal on a 19 team, which I'm pretty sure had Dipendra Singh IRE many moons ago, I'm pretty sure beat India if my memory serves. It's not as if these guys can't play cricket. It's they get into this system and they've been so completely messed up by the transition and the changes among several coaches and players in and out of favour. Someone like Rohit Padel, who's now the captain of the team, guys like Kushan Mala, like they've already lived two careers and they're not even 20 years old yet. They get put in the team as a 14, 15-year-old kid. They make 50 on debut. They're world record holders. Everyone thinks that they're the messiah. They have two bad innings, and then everyone all of a sudden wants to drop them, and then they're just that disillusioned with the whole thing. They're never, ever going to be in the right mentality to bat and bat long periods, and it goes back to the old thing. Bowling and associate cricket, it eventually sorts itself out though there's just no substitute for match practice. And you can tell these Nepali players, and it goes back to the T20 World Cup too, they forgot that even in T20 cricket, you have more time than you think. And it's actually something that we almost kind of saw in Vanuatu at the East Asia Pacific qualifier. And and Tim, you saw it and you're there shaking your head. But quite a few players there played dumb shots when they had more time than they thought in T20 cricket and poor old Ben Cameron, and we'll talk about you know stuff and news of, of Vanuatu in a second, he's there shaking his head, wondering who's coached these guys in the last two or three years to, to do this, you know? But it comes down to just the lack of cricket and, and the lack of match practice and, and that's what we're getting through Nepal again.
2: Oh, sorry, Buzz, just, just a quick fact check. Um, Nepal beat India in the under-19s Asia Cup in 2017. With funnily enough, uh, you you were right. Singh Ire 88 runs and 4 for 39 and two catches. So uh, the D- Singh Ire show. But uh, yes. What does that tell you though? Like yeah, where where does where's Dependrousing Ire? He's really struggled to to crack on uh, at senior level as well. And I don't think that is lack of talent because we've seen him do it in moments. But it's just a lack of you know consistent domestic cricket it's a lack of consistent <laughs> have, just having a stable environment to, to work with I think as, as a player
0: Suman Katawada who was part of the national women's team uh, she retired yesterday due to just the lack of a future in Nepali cricket and and this is, this is set to be potentially a lost generation in Nepali cricket because even on Twitter I don't I don't feel, not the love, but I don't feel the passion for Nepali cricket that once was on the Twitter sphere. And it's something that we sort of keep a, a pretty keen eye on a lot of the time. It just seems that the fans too understand that the things are just going in roundabouts and they're not going anywhere either. And yeah, you don't get the one-eyed Nepali fan anymore that, Bez, why do you hate Nepal? Because you criticised us. There's not even that anymore because they all know. They've all seen it. They're all experiencing it. And yeah, I, can't, I can't say that I've seen all the crowds at, at the uh, Nepal T20. But from what I did say, I don't think it was heaving with people. And I know a lot of the games are on weekdays and a lot of people are working or whatnot. But, yeah, there are certainly issues. And you had Raza playing in this tournament. He's nominated for three ICC awards at this year's ICC awards. And he, he left early because no one paid him to play. You know you had this talent there and you just let it slip through your fingers. It's so disappointing and and it could be anything and you come in as associate cricket fans or new associate cricket fans and you know they they're blinded by the potential of Nepali cricket but they get quickly shut down when they when they realize the realities of of what's going on there. Oh dear. Vanuatu, Tim, things happening, a couple of shuffles and I've seen you posting jobs uh, across the internet, which I'm sure people will be chomping at the bit to apply for. Uh, Give us the update in Vanuatu, CEO.
1: Mm, Should I just read from the press release? Is that what you want? (laughs) CEOs do. Yes. Well, what's becoming a yearly occurrence? We're on the search for another high performance manager and head coach. Ben Cameron, unfortunately, has to settle back into life in in South Australia with some uh, family concerns, which means he's not going to be able to be here full time. So that's frustrating, but family and health and whatnot, we saw similar to, to Jeremy. Bray uh, last year um, and why he had to, to move back to Ireland it's just one of those things that happened and it's not a matter of lamenting it. it's just moving on and I thought Ben was, was great his skill set looking sort of beyond national teams and looking at pathways and talent development and depth charts I Always thought that was something to do with the ocean, but it's also to do with with player <laughs> development. No, but it's, seriously, it, it was great, and he had. A, you know, you you always sort of look forward and you think, oh, what 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 could have been, but so be it. So we're on the search again. I think it should be a little bit easier this time. I think when we were hiring Ben, um, I was actually in lockdown at the time because that was when COVID had breached quarantine and got out into the population here in late March, early. April last year so I think now with the borders being open and us knowing when tours are going to be on and people being able to get in and out easier should uh, make it a much more attractive or at least a lot more of a, a known quantity for, for applicants so that's why well, I was going to say that'll be exciting but it's a another recruitment process which isn't isn't exciting but I'm excited to see who puts their hand up you know, it's a huge year for us we've got a men's and women's tour to Fiji in, in March we've got Australian men's and women's indigenous teams coming to Vanuatu for the first time in in May, under-19 qualifier in Darwin in June, the men's regional final in July in in, in Papua New Guinea, and we're hosting, although it hasn't been announced publicly, I'm sure I won't get, you know, no, no calls from the ICC lawyers, we'll be hosting the women's T20 World Cup qualifier for the region in... August, September as well. So that'll be a seven-team comp, which will be exciting. And do you know any commentators, uh, Daniel, that are going to be around and available for any of these events? Uh,
0: you'll have to talk to my agent. <laughs>
1: well, that's good because um, M- Mel arrives in uh, <laughs> <laughs> in Vanuatu on Saturday night for, for two weeks for her uni. So I'll talk to Mel. So not only will Mel be here winning trivia for those two weeks, but yeah, so on the search for that, we also lost Eddie Mansali, who's been employed as a high performance coach for for six years he's a dual international he's played both football and cricket for Vanuatu and so he'd be a big loss too but as happens in a place like this he's gone to be the second political advisor to the prime minister of Vanuatu so um, we'll be hoping to to use the contacts we have there for Vanuatu to build a new 50,000-seater <laughs> stadium purpose-built for cricket in the, in the next two to three years. But jokes aside, that'll that'll leave a big hole because he's a uh, man melee and uh, knew lot, all the players and had worked with them for a long time. Had played with them and now went on to coach them, so you gonna have to move some, some things around there to... To replace him, so yeah, there's a bit happening on the recruitment front. Still looking for a marketing manager, a marketing officer. The list goes on. I think um, between Jamal and myself, I think we sort of wear four or five different caps on any given day. Um, amongst some of the other managers as well, sort of just uh, doing the best we can. So it will be a huge year and even, even better if we can kind of get those those spots filled and I think for the same reasons about COVID allowing the sort of coaches to have a sort of a clearer view of, of potentially moving here I think that is also similar with a lot of people coming back from seasonal work in Australia and New Zealand I think now that it's a lot easier backwards and forwards I think people looking at hopefully potential employment opportunities back here which will mean the talent pools a little bit deeper because with everyone not everyone but with so many people being out of Vanuatu for the last couple of years the, the talent pool is is really shallow and so many employers sport and otherwise have been struggling for talent because there's just nobody around because there's been a better option to go to Australia and New Zealand and uh, pick fruit and make more money and I think that's something that Vanuatu alongside a, a number of other Pacific nations are looking at really hard because I think it was initially there was an opportunity for people that that didn't have perhaps stronger employment opportunities here but we're seeing so much skilled labour being lost to the market to for people to go and to go and work for farmers in Australia and New Zealand I don't know who that benefits um, except the farmers Uh, it doesn't really benefit the economy here at all except that money sort of being pumped back in and People being able to support families and whatnot, so there's got to find a. You know, I'm, I'm not running for politics here because so I've got to get my story straight. If I'm ever asked, you know, up on a up on a soapbox, but you know, it, it means there's a real brain drain and labour drain um, here in Vanuatu. So cricket's not the only victim of that. So something you have to work through, and especially with such a big year to come, and and who knows what's ahead of us as well in 2024 and beyond. You know, with all this new money coming in from the new TV deal from ICC, where we're going to see a lot more money coming through to the associates and. What we're going to be able to do from there and build the game will be be great, but we've got to have the people here who can who can be part of it. But no, really exciting year coming up, looking forward to get all these new people on deck and to, to have another women's tournament hosted within a year of us having the Pacific Cup last year will be uh, extra exciting.
2: Yeah, it's interesting... I mean, obviously, all the um, labor market pressures on Vanuatu and, and cricket being affected by that is, you know, there's not a whole lot that the VCA can probably do about that. But hopefully uh, what what can happen is just that, you know, your guys will be able to find someone who can stick around for a while because, yeah, we've, you've, you know, we've seen Camo, we've seen Jeremy Bray. Um, you know, it, it it must be disruptive for the team to have the head coach constantly sort of turning over and not being able to get into a, a rhythm Especially, you know, Ben Cameron I thought offered pretty good value to Vanuatu in the sense of being a coach and having that experience in, in pathways and high performance. And, and that's really the, the missing link, at least as far as I've seen for Vanuatu, is the pathways and getting all the, the kids who have, you know, picked up a bat and ball. And I guess it's kind of similar to PNG in a way in that, you know, there's there's a decent number of people in the country who've been exposed to cricket, but then, you know, converting that into high-performance players and, and having a, a talent production pathway. That's where Ben Cameron was uh, was was quite a good get for you guys. And so it is a shame that the health and, and family issues are, are coming back and, and he, he can't stay in Vanuatu. But, uh, yeah, all, all the best to him and, and hopefully he finds something uh, something good over back in South Australia.
0: Shall we quickly hype up Indonesia at the Under-19 Women's T20 World Cup because they're... I don't want to say they're flying under the radar because they're well and truly on our radar, but they've beaten Zimbabwe twice in warm-up action. Once in an unofficial warm-up. The second one was in official sanctioned warm-up play. Uh, I'm not really all too sure what the difference is between those two things. But, yeah, as mentioned before, a second surprise in Indonesia winning again. Captain Niluka Lesika Ratnadewi took three wickets in response to uh, Zimbabwe. They actually bowled them out for 55, defending just 70. We, we know that runs will come a pre- at a premium at this tournament, but it's still an emphatic result, result nonetheless. Lee Chiao is another bowler to uh, keep an eye on in the Indonesian team as well. Uh, Looking around the grounds, as mentioned, Scotland were too strong for the USA in an all-associate affair. UAE found it a little bit troublesome against Sri Lanka, although UAE do boast quite a number of senior internationals around about the same number as the usa so it's interesting to see what the expectations are going to be for these teams the top three teams in each of the four groups do go through to the super 12 so if a team can sneak into the top three they get to play a lot of cricket at this level which is ultimately probably the best thing for them dare we say that indonesia could well be the bolters tim i know that they're a sleeping giant of a, of a country in terms of cricketing development, and we could see them bossing into something, assuming you know the boards are well and truly intact. But uh, Indonesia, what can they achieve here?
1: I was talking to Rob Gom today, who's the acting regional manager for East Asia Pacific, the ICC, and we're trying to work out between ourselves whether an EAP associate has ever beaten a full member in any sort of organized cricket. You know, I immediately thought of when PNG beat Ireland. In the men's T20 World Cup qualifier, but that was in 2015 before Ireland had become a full member. So, as far as I'm aware, warm up or not, I, I can't find any instance of, a, of an East Asia Pacific associate beating a full member. So that's huge. However, I also don't want to talk this down because it's great to to see that and to to back it up with a second win. We don't know what level Zimbabwe is at at the moment with their team that they've they've sent there. And I guess what we're only going to see is the the tournament goes on but um look we were excited to see them beat png i think that was a surprise we expected png with their weight of juniors coming through their junior development system that you'd like to to think that they would have just gone on on a weight of town alone but to see indonesia win that hosting that that event in bali which would have been cool to, to be there and watch so it just seems at least that it wasn't a flash in the pan uh, or a fluke the fact that they've gone on and, and, and beaten a full member side twice so no they'll be exciting to watch I just hope that we're going to be able to watch it because I don't I don't know whether it's being broadcast or whether it's going to be on ICC TV is there anyone in the room that has any involvement with broadcast uh, Daniel who'd be able to tell us
0: the latest I've heard is that it's all being finalised very late in the piece in terms of how accessible uh, the streams will be on ICC TV and how many regions they will be available in. Fancode has it in Asia at a entry point cost, I think. But, yeah, I believe the final stages are being sort of ironed out in terms of what regions will be showing this live on ICC TV for free. I wish I could give you better news.
1: Well, I'd like to say I'm surprised, but... If we get to the day and we can all switch on ICC TV to watch it, then then great. Um I think I'd definitely be tuning in for those, those Indonesia matches for sure.
0: The tournament begins on the 14th of January. So if you listen to this as soon as it comes out, get ready for it. If not, hope you are enjoying it thus far. I think that's just about everything in the emerging game. Brilliant to have you both back for the first show of 2023. Uh, To everyone out there, thanks again for tuning in and you can log on to EmergingCricket.com for all the news, views from the emerging cricket world. But on behalf of Tim Cutler, Nick Skinner and myself, Daniel Baswick, it is goodbye.